Good morning. morning. Welcome to the Hope World Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School class. Today's lesson is found uh, in the same book we've been in for the last couple of Sundays and we'll be in again next week, the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Uh, This particular passage um, you will find, I think, well, Put it like this. This letter is so real and rich and relevant to today's society, what's going on in the world today. You will be drawn in, as I was, uh, the whole book of Colossians, but but this this particular part of this particular letter. Um, Thematically, the writer, the Sunday School lesson writer, told us to use the subject Full life in Christ. Full life in Christ. Let that percolate for a minute. Uh, What he's trying to get you to see is at the conclusion of this, you understand what it's like to have full life in Christ. Nothing lacking, nothing wanting, nothing wavering, nothing to be added, nothing to be taken away. You have full life in Christ. You've been given a life sentence. When you got saved, you got a life sentence, right? That sentence was you live your life in Christ, through Christ, with Christ, and it completes you. You've been given a life sentence. And then what the judge can't do, only God can do, then you got an afterlife sentence. Because then afterlife, you go to be with Jesus forever. That's a pretty good deal. That's a better than Walmart deal. That's a better than a BOGO deal. You got life, a life sentence, then after, you can't lose with the stuff. You, can, you cannot lose with Christ. So let's pray and then turn our attention uh, to the book of Colossians and see what the gospel uh, Paul's writing to us is tailored to teach us. Amen? Amen? So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or your tablets, uh, pull up Colossians chapter number 2. Spirit of the living God, help us to pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. We lift you up. Here we are, God, empty vessels before a full fountain, asking you to fill us again with your anointing, with your spirit, with your knowledge, with your wisdom, with your peace, with your understanding. Fill us, oh God. Oh God, we know that you have the answer to every question. You are the answer to every equation. We know that life as we know it does not really get fulfilled until we know you. We thank you, O God, for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for being our God. Besides you, there is none other. This morning, we pause just to give you thanks. Hallowed be thy name. You are the only true and living God. And for this, we say thank you. We thank you for life being as well of us as it is. Even God, at times, we apologize and we repent for not giving you thanks on a regular basis for not trusting you with our very lives, without trusting you with hard decisions, without we didn't trust you with which way to go, which direction to take. You still been our God, and you still stand, you're still standing there with your arms outstretched, inviting us to come home. Now, God, we pray for those who are unsaved, those who don't know you and the free pardon of their sins. We know that's our job to reach the lost at any cost. We pray for them, God, even those in our sometimes immediate family who've lost their way. They know of you. 
but they just don't know you. Or they knew you at one time and they've drifted somehow away. God, draw them back by the power of your love. Draw them nearer to thy precious bleeding side. God, draw them back. Our children who used to go to church all the time who drifted away and astray. Draw them back. Our children who used to know the Bible and could quote scripture and verse and sing the songs of Zion. Draw them back, God. Closer to you. We love you today. We need you today. We bless your name. Now, God, we pray for those who are having physical difficulties that you would heal their bodies like only you can. Restore God. Work miracles, God, in the name of Jesus. We pray for those, God, who are having financial struggles. We know that the cattle on a thousand hills are, that, are, the, are yours, and we pray, God, that you bless them abundantly. Help them to know that the true source of wealth and riches is God himself. Thank you, God, to bless those who are struggling emotionally, loneliness and despondency. God, be their joy, be their peace, be their love. Oh, God, be their comfort in the name of Jesus. Now, God, bless this little place we call Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, over 150 years old. Bless it, God. Bless our Bishop Shields as he stands to preach and teach your word. Bless this class and the listeners, those who are both in person and online, that we might learn something worth sharing with others. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. It is in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Um, let me start today's lesson, which is in chapter 2, with just a little bit of a rewind of what we talked about in chapter 1. Uh, remember, again, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. Sharon, would you? Sharon, look at Pat. I've given Sharon um, just a little map that she'll pass around the class. Um, I just want you to have a sort of a picture of where Paul was. He was in Rome when he wrote this, where Colossae is or where the other churches are. Because you get sometimes, I think, when you read the Bible, you might get the notion that this is like Paul writing in Latonia, to, I mean, excuse me, uh, in the North Cross to Lawrenceville. No, no, it's a long way away. Uh, just, just, just so you would have that. Now, let me back up a minute because this uh, was, again, one of these things when I found out about it some years ago, uh, one of these where uh, 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 Bishop, uh, Bishop Vicky, where I almost took off running. If you go to chapter 1 and verse 17, where we were last week, let me start there. I only be there for a minute, but I got to do this because it's, it messed with me all week because I didn't get a chance to do it like I wanted to last week. Uh, at the end of this prayer that Paul has been praying for the church at Colossae, which we uh, admonish you to learn and, and, and incorporate into your prayer life, he says, he makes this declaration talking about Jesus. Verse 17, chapter 1 of Colossians. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and by him all things consist. Do you see that? He is before all things, and by him what? All things consist. That, that word consists there is the root word, the etymology of that word is where we get the word atom. A-T-O-M. Atom. Let me take you back to fifth grade. Atoms, you know, are the basic building blocks of nature. Uh, you, you learn about atoms. Uh, each atom has a nucleus made up of protons and neutrons. Uh, and these particles are held together. But it's the smallest part of what we call matter. Here's the question. What holds the atom together? 
We know that atoms are made up of nucleus, protons, electrons. And we know that when atoms and, uh, merge with other atoms, you create molecules. And then molecules are the basic building blocks of, of all matter. But what holds that together? Paul says Jesus is what holds the atom together. Y'all not going to make me run out of here, are you? Uh, uh, at, the, at the center of the atom is not the nucleus. What makes the atom work is not the proton and the neutron. What holds it all together is that word consists. Jesus holds the whole universe and universes we don't know about together because Jesus is the basic building block of everything. Now, by him, all things consistent. When I pray this, I always pray, Lord, thank you for keeping it all together for me. Thank you for keeping it together because sometimes if it wasn't for the Lord who is on my side, you might think you got it together, but you will turn left when you're supposed to turn right. And you'll get up one morning not even realizing and put your shirt on over your legs and your pants on over your arms. Why? Because he has to hold it together. All right, let, let me move on. All right, y'all going to get mad. Now, chapter 2 of, of, of Colossians, but you have to go back to verse 29 of verse 1 uh, because there is a preposition in verse 1, and it's a preposition for. So whenever you see the word for in the Bible, you have to go back above it, otherwise it will make no sense in context. So he says for, just like if he says now therefore, if he says finally, go back. So we just got to go back one verse and you'll understand. He has talked to them about uh, life in Christ. And then in verse 29 of chapter 1, Paul says unto them, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Let's break that down a minute. Paul says, uh, and it's great that it's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Paul says, I treat my love for you and this, and this, this, this trying to get you guys to understand what, what the Lord is really about with all this false teaching you have. Paul says, this is like the Olympics for me. Remember where Paul was. That's why the map is going around. He's in Rome. The Romans were very much into Olympic games and athleticism and I've, I've been there. I've been to the Colosseum. The Colosseum seated 50,000 people. I, 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 I recommend you go there. It'll blow your mind. In ancient Rome, the Colosseum sat 50,000 people. And they had athletic contests every single day, Miss Judy. And Paul says, because he's sitting in a Roman prison, he's hearing the cheering. Paul says, I feel like that when I'm in the world fighting for you. I feel like I'm in the Olympics. Paul says, and I'm striving for you. I want to win. That's why he talks about it later, beating the air like an athlete. Paul says, I'm like an athlete in training. And I like, like the Eagles today and, and the Chiefs. I want to win. I want you, I want to win you for Christ. This is important to me. I want to stand on that first step and get the gold medal. What's the gold medal? That I taught you Christ and you live Christ. Paul says, that's my goal for you. I am, I am striving for you. I'm not playing. We have to be like that about our family members. You can't forget them. You can't throw them away. I know they get on your nerves. I know that. Personally, I know that. But you got to strive for them. You can't just grab this Jesus and hold it just for yourself, for him for yourself. Paul says, I'm striving for y'all. That's the four in uh, verse one of chapter two. Now let's go to chapter two. All right. 
And I want to say this to you. Uh, this will help you with your Bible study. So when you study the Bible, look for two things. Uh, what, what it says about Jesus and what it says to you. What it says about Jesus and what it says to you. So when you have that approach, you read the letter, uh, any letter, any scripture differently because I want you to treat this letter to the Colossians as if Paul is writing the letter to you. You with me? I want you to become a Colossae Christian and see what Paul is saying to you through this letter. Not to the Colossians. Because sometimes we read Galatians and we think he's talking to them. But he's actually talking to us. Let me prove it to you. Here's what Paul says. Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 2, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now, Paul gives us a peek to something we don't learn fully about until we get to Revelations. I told you before, the Bible is circular. You can't have one without the other. Paul's talking about Laodicea. You don't see that again when? To Revelations. What does John say about the church of Laodicea? You've left your first love. He says, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Paul had already heard about through uh, Epiratus that this stuff is going on in Colossae and it had seeped down into Laodicea. And here's what was going on. Both churches were being bombarded by what we call the culture. Y'all know that term? It's very popular now. The culture teaching them sort of this um, different way of looking at salvation in Christ. They took Christ and then they started to add stuff. All right? They, I, the best way I can tell you, the best metaphor I give you, they turned the pure gospel into a smoothie. All right? All smoothies start with one ingredient, water. All right? Most smooth, when you add the stuff, that's how you get off. They were mixing things with Christ and telling the people, if you don't believe what we're saying, then you think you have Christ, but you don't. Paul gets a little bit irritated and upset. So Paul says, I have great conflict for you and for them in Laodicea. He said, I've been hearing this stuff and I got to deal with it because I don't want you to think that you're out here by yourself. And Paul says, we can talk about this even though I've never met you. That's the key as you read the Bible too. You read it, although you've never seen Paul face to face. You don't have to. By and in the spirit, we connect. Okay? Paul says, I've never met you guys. I've heard about your labor of love. I, I know some of your, your ministers, Paul says, are great. Let me tell you that we are connected together through Christ. I don't have to be there to know you, right? It's, it's sort of like when your children go off to school and you're talking to them and they'll say something and you say, oh, I, okay, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Let me suggest something to you. You might want to get your lesson, <laughs> okay? This is the fifth time I called you at 2.30 and you don't have class, and you don't have an activity, and you're not in your room. So don't, don't play me stupid. Get yourself together before I show up there without warning. Paul says, I know what you're going through. I know what you're dealing with, and, and, and I don't have a problem. Let's all get together and do this thing together. Watch this. Paul says, here's what I pray for you, like the Super Bowl. He, he, he said that, that we have to strive all the time. Paul says, here's what I pray for you. Verse 2. He says, that your hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love 
and unto all riches to the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the, watch this, mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Paul says, listen, I, 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 I've got to teach you here because I want you guys' hearts to be confident. I want you to be knit together. I don't want you all to fall out with each other based on outside influences. I don't want you to start doubting the salvation and the seriousness of your brothers and sisters because people are harp carping in your ear. There's a lot going on, y'all, not in Colossae, but in Norcross, in Atlanta, in Georgia, in the United States, in the world. 24-7 bombardment of all kinds of ideas and philosophies, and one says this and one says that, and it's information overload, and if you're not careful, you miss the essence of why you make this trek every week to Norcross. It is to study about, learn about, and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So much is going on, and unfiltered, you end up with a problem. What's affecting our young people is they have not learned to navigate real from fake. Uh, the, the, they're, they're being, what's being pushed on them is the same thing they push on you when you go to New York and go to Canal Street and go upstairs behind the, uh, the place in the back and they say the purse that they say is Louis Vuitton, but you and I both know that that's fake. That's what's being pushed on young people and some older people. Everybody young is not, are not crazy. There's some older crazy people. Oh, y'all know some. Oh, yeah. Because you're being bombarded. That's the devil's job. We're going to see it later in a little bit. Let's go. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, I want you to, to, to understand, and he used this word mystery, because what was being taught all around them was this sort of spooky um, seance, uh, been in the dark and ghost, this kind of spooky uh, stuff where people felt like you have to have some kind of sort of a spooky experience to be real, right? Somebody, a chair's got to move, or a, you know, a lot, of, and 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 because people are carnal, all right. Paul, Paul says, but you all stay unified in love. Don't let your let external conflicts become internal conflicts. Let's stay focused on Christ, okay? Uh, we we can debate this stuff, but let's not fall out in here, right? At the end of the day, I love you, you love me. We're gonna go forward in Christ. Watch what Paul said. Paul says, uh, he said, he talks about this, this mystery, these mysteries. In whom are hid, that in whom, verse 3, Jesus, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wait a minute, Paul. Are you telling me that everything that's smart and astute and foundational is all in Christ? Paul makes a declaration here. You can forget about all this other stuff. Everything you need, ever will need, ever want to know, you can find it in Christ. It's a heavy statement because remember where they are. That's why I sent the map around. They're in the middle of a uh, sort of synchronistic society where some people are worshiping this thing and some people are worshiping that thing. And then some of the people who are into kind of what, what I would call off-the-wall weird stuff claim to be Christians, right? And they're telling new converts 
who have no, no sense of reference be like us to be a Christian. And they say, but that's different from what we learned from through Paul. And, and they're telling them, Paul ain't here. <laughs> that's why Paul says, I don't need to be there. You know what you were taught, right? I don't have to be there for you to act right. Okay, now watch this. Let's, let's go a little further. Um, uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me back up and tell you just that the, the, there are, you'll see there are three mysteries uh, starting in Colossians 1.24, go through Colossians 2.3. Let me tell you what the three mysteries are, and then I'll, I'll move on quickly. Three mysteries. One, one mystery is the church as the body of Christ. That's a mystery. Number two, the indwelling Christ in each believer. That's a mystery. And number three, the revealed Jesus, which is the fountainhead, the treasury of all knowledge. Paul says, wrap your brain around those three mysteries. And he's using that word for a reason uh, because they were falling back into some of what people are falling back into now. They were influenced by teachers, that is Colossae and Latiosia, who told them to seek treasures of wisdom and knowledge, but not to seek them in Jesus alone, but in other philosophies. All right? Gnosticism. And let me give you a modern day example. So a lot of young people and some older people now have taken this new age concept of manifest. And you'll hear a lot of young people and some older people talk about manifest. I'm going to manifest my husband. You're going to manifest a mess. Outside of Christ, I'm going to manifest my house. I'm gonna, have y'all heard, heard that? Uh, you see how easy it seeps into the culture? And it, it sounds a little bit of like faith, right? But the foundation is not God. The foundation is not Christ. It's you. You are manifesting it. Uncoupled from Jesus. I've decided what I want, so I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to say it over and over again until it comes true. That sounds like Aladdin and the magic lamp. They call it New Age, but it's old. It's as old as the Bible. It's a mixture of faith and philosophy that sounds good because here's the key. You can do it without having to go to church. It relieves you of the burden of having to come to church and study the Bible because you can manifest. You're going to have a manny mess if you aren't careful. Paul says, be careful with this stuff because it's dangerous, not in terms of you being killed or anything, but, but it's a dangerous kind of philosophy. So Paul then, after having set this foundation, issues a warning. Look at verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Paul says, I'm not saying you have been led astray. I'm saying it's possible. He said, I'm telling you this because you could be beguiled. Where have you heard that beguile before? Uh -huh. Genesis chapter 3. What did, the, what, did the, what did the Bible say happened with Eve and the, and the serpent. The serpent beguiled 
Eve. That word has more to do than just trick and trickery. It's a trickery that makes it seem to you that what you're doing is right. He started by asking her a question. Did God say? Because Eve wasn't there when God talked to Adam. And Adam got home late from work and didn't feel like talking to his wife, so he didn't tell her. Did God say, you can't eat it? Then Eve adds, because now she's trying to match wits with the devil, Dr. Brown. So she adds, well, he said, we can't look at it, we can't touch it, and we can't. He ain't saying anything about looking at it. He never said that. How did she get beguiled? She got beguiled because she listened to an outside voice about something that she should have known better. Um, uh, in modern day times, it comes to us like this. Uh, how you uh, get what you want. Uh, it comes through people like Dr. Frederick Eichelkorter II, Father Divine, Reverend Jim Jones, Daddy Grace, Bernard Jordan, Miss Cleo, all these crooks, I mean, all these people <laughs> are the same. You can't lose with the stuff I use. You can lose your money. I got rich. All the parishioners broke. But he said he was a Christian. You can make your mouth say anything. You got to judge the fruit. All this was designed to separate you from your money. Think about it. Whether it's Jim and Tammy Faye Baker or any of them. All designed. We wanted you to be our Christian partners. All this was designed to separate you from your money. I have been in church services before where people preach a powerful sermon, like, like on the sermon about um, uh, the miraculous catch of fish, and they'll say, and they caught 153 species of fish. Oh, my God. God was so good. 153 species of quick. Man, right quick, I need 153 people to come up here with $100. Y'all never had that happen? You, sir, are a false prophet. But that's how easy, because we're emotional creatures. And you get caught up and you get back home and can't pay your rent and your mortgage and your car note like, that preacher told me I ain't got nothing. Because God is not into that. It's not trickery and magic. It's a lifestyle. You, 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 when you live a life of faith, God blesses you every day. Yes, sometimes bigger than others, but it's every day. Let's keep going here because y'all slowing me down. Paul says, I don't want you to be deceived, but let me just say it like this. Deceivers are deceivers. It's just what they do. I don't know how they sleep at night. And then some of them say, very comfortably, sir. I heard one preacher say, um, I'm not going to call his name. Oh, I want you so bad. But he said, um, I know money can't buy happiness. But it can buy you a Rolls Royce and you'll be happy riding around looking for it. And if I, if I had another TV, I would have thrown something at mine. People of God, those online, those you talked to this week, be careful. Because it's so easy to shortcut. Because we want magic. We want it quick, fast, and in a hurry. God doesn't work like that. God's not on your schedule. You need to get on his. Look at verse 5. And we, then we're going to get to the lesson. Because we're almost out of time because y'all slowed me down. 
He said, though I'm absent in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. I know you got it. Paul says, I have, very, I have great confidence in you. Now let's go to verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ the Lord, walk in him. Paul says, real simple. Don't get distracted by these outside distractions. You have received Christ by tradition. I taught it to you. Your preachers taught it to you. You've received Christ. Your job then is to walk in him. Nothing else. In him. Stay in Christ. Learn about Christ. Study the word. Let the word speak to you personally. It's great to have people who have the talent to teach, but you also have the ability to learn and teach yourself. To hear it, to hear it, to hear it over and over. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. Y'all been in Sunday school before. <laughs> Paul says, I know there are a lot of doctrines out there, but you stay in Christ. You don't have to fight about it. You don't have to get mad. You just say, I appreciate that, brother. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But I'm going to stay with Christ. Because what's the end game to all this? All these things. What's the end game? I promise you, at the end, they're trying to separate you from your money. Some people will give it all up to follow these charlatans. And you find yourself in the jungle in Guyana drinking poison Kool-Aid. That's where this ultimately leads. To David Koresh. That's what these people would draw you into this stuff. They still make Kool-Aid? Okay, anyway. I liked it growing up, but it, we didn't have real sugar, so. Anyway, <laughs> verse 7. Paul says, you, you, I want you to be rooted and built up in him and established or established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Paul says, he uses this sort of curious combination of metaphors he said, I want you to be rooted, but also built up. That seems incongruent, but it's not. It reminds you a lot of the parable of the sower, where Jesus talks about what happens to some seed, where it falls, uh, some on good ground, some on not so good ground. But you can be rooted and grounded and have foundation. By the way, just so you know, being a Christian doesn't mean you have to shy away from debate. It doesn't mean you, you, you just holler Jesus, Jesus the whole time. You can be articulate and, and, and erudite and smooth with it and let them get their foolish points out and then you come back to yours. Nobody's asking you to just blindly say stuff. Well, it's all about the law. Well, no, that's the whole purpose why you come here. What has drawn you to Sunday school and drawn you to a church that teaches from the Bible is you have enough to equip yourself because it's coming, y'all. It can't come time. It's real subtle. It's as subtle as why you why you got to why you say grace before you eat, boy. You opened up a woo. You want to really know? You ready? You go. You're going to get opportunities without you walking around your office carrying a Bible every time you go on break. That's not gonna win anybody. And that big old Bible on your desk is not gonna win anybody because they watch your lifestyle. But you don't have to be ashamed to debate. And you can say to them, I might not have the answer. Give me till tomorrow. I'll call Bishop. I'll call Elder Ware. 
I'll call uh, Pastor Love. I'll call the Warmers. I'll call uh, 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 somebody. And just give me to tomorrow. Right? Don't be intimidated by the enemy. And if you don't know what you're talking about, Eve, hush. <laughs> when as soon as the devil showed up, Eve should have texted her husband. I said, there's a man over here in the house. I don't know him. He said he knows you. He said he knows the Lord. But I don't know him. Come home. Right? You're not in this game by yourself. Watch this. Watch this. Because they, they, this thing is kind of rigged. Uh, they, they, they can't want to trick. Again, it's trying to separate you from your, from your cash. Look at verse 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you. How, Paul? Through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, <laughs> after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. How are they going to come at us, Paul? They're going to come at us with philosophy. Strange, kind of eclectic mix of different sort of things. Uh, and nothing wrong with philosophy. I, I was a, 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 a history minor, uh, and, and, and philosophy was a part of our discipline. We had to take the courses in philosophy. And philosophy takes you deep into, uh, have you, you start off questioning everything and then come to a conclusion. But you start off questioning everything. Are you really a man living in a world or is this all a dream? Is it, you know, just, just, just goofy stuff to, get, to bend your mind to get you back to foundational principles. Paul says, don't be spoiled through philosophy. Now, you know what this real philosophy was? This is going to bless some of y'all. This philosophy that they were teaching in Colossae and in Laodicea had to do with, they believed that there was a uh, sort of degree of angels in the world whose job it was to interact between man and God. And part of the way you tracked what was going on was by watching the stars. Astrology. So every day when you pick up and read your horrible scope, <laughs> because you use the same line we all did in the club, hey, what's your sign is? <laughs> and they will say, my sign is stop. Um, <laughs> yield. <laughs> yeah, you know, so there's nothing new under the sun. That's still People know what their zodiac sign, they know that better than they know for God so loved the world. There is no safety in that. Because if, you're, if, if the horoscope works for you, what about the person got your same birthday and they're in prison? The horrible, the horrible scope for the day says, you are going to come into a lot of money. No, you're not because you're in jail. <laughs> you, see, you see how silly it is? But people believe in that stuff. And New Age mysticism and crystals and y'all burning sage. I told you before, sage belongs one place. That's in chicken and dressing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Paul that's where you put sage. Am I right? Uh, uh, okay. Paul says, ignore that foolishness. You can study it at a university or, in, or, or online. Or, or in your class, but it, it's just a theory. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, this, this stuff is rudimentary. He said, Paul, he said, they're teaching you stuff like you're a first grader. That's rudiments. R-U-D-I-M-E-T. He said, that, that's first grade stuff. Ignore that stuff. So what do we do, Paul? Paul says, everything is in Christ. Verse 9, for in him, Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead 
bodily. Paul says, what you need to know is all in Jesus. This is, ladies and gentlemen, a dramatic, airtight declaration by Paul of the full deity and divinity of Jesus. Since all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus, he cannot be a halfway God or a junior God. He's not God Junior. He's not God the second. He is fully God. Jesus is God. Period. Somebody just preached that, didn't he? That attribute, that divinity, uh, uh, that theotheus, T-H-E-O-T-H-E-S, that Greek word, means that, 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 that Jesus is unique. It's not, he, you can't compare him to anything or anybody. Don't let them trick you uh, with the Quran and they say, well, we, we, we acknowledge Jesus as a great teacher. He's God. Yes, he's a great teacher, but he's God. Don't skip over that. But they'll do that to try to, try to mix it in uh, so, you'll, so you'll understand why they believe in Muhammad. Muhammad claimed to be a messenger of God. He never claimed to be God. Moses claimed to be a messenger from God, but he never claimed to be God. Abraham claimed to have heard from God, but he never claimed to be God. Jesus said, I and my father are one. And that's why they killed him. Because he had the unmitigated goal to tell the truth. Which is, I'm God. I've been here before there was a before. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. It's different, y'all. It's different. Uh, as the prophet Jay-Z says, there are levels to this. Now watch this. And ye are complete in him. So here's the formula. Write this down. It's a scientific formula. Jesus plus me equals everything. Write that scientific formula down. Jesus plus me equals everything. So when people try to add stuff to that, you don't have to worry about that because you already have everything. You are full in him. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to be anything else. You are full in Christ. That's why the richest person can be saved and the poorest person can be saved. That's why the people who are, who are sophisticated and, 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 and erudite and travel the world can be saved and the people who've never gone more than three miles from their house can be saved. It's why people who have plenty of money can be saved and why poor people can be saved because there's one God and we all worship him and the, and, and the ground at the foot of the cross is level. I don't know what Shirley Caesar is talking about when she's talking about you being next in line for a miracle. There is no line. You are always at the front. Yeah. Nobody's in front of you. Nobody's between you and God but Jesus. Nobody. There is no next in line. I love the song. It's just wrong. Um, that's the formula. All right. Verse 10. I'm, I'm hurrying, hurrying to a, to a close. Um, all the power of God, the nature of God dwells in Jesus. That's good as a statement, but it, it takes, goes to another level when Jesus acknowledges it and says, I agree with that. Because I'm telling you right now, if anybody says, I'm God, I'm saying, no, I'm not. 
I, I know for a while over there in College Park, uh, the young fellow was, uh, Pastor Penny was, uh, was preaching um, that uh, we're all little G-O-D gods. No, I'm not. Don't, don't tell, uh-uh. That's the lie from the pit. I love your teaching, sir. Wrong. There's no God. There's God in me, but I'm not God. Never will be. Don't want to be. Can't be. You're not divine. You're going to live forever because God ordained it. He could, but if he changes his mind, you're gone. Don't these people are so anxious to grab hold of something that they can understand and, and because they can't understand the mystery of Christ, they reject it and add something to it. Verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Paul says, these little many angels and many gods and many demons that you all have been worshiping down in Colossae and Laodicea, he said, Jesus above all that. He said, I'm not telling you whether to believe in it or not, but if you believe in it, he's above all that. Above all that. He picks it up in Romans where he says, Christ is high above all principality and power. That's the rank of angels. That's the rank of demons. Jesus is above all that. Above all that is Christ. There is no thing above Christ, including God, because Jesus and God are one. This Christ thing, when you really get it, blows your mind because it's so simple. Because it's so simple, children can learn about it. And the greatest people at Harvard and Yale and Oxford write about it. Because it's so maddeningly simple, but it's real. Now watch this. Watch this. He says, um, uh, uh, and, and, and now, now you're ready to shift to something you'll like. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Paul says, ignore legalism. You're not saved because you go to church on a certain day. You're not saved because you gave up the swine. Right? Right? Because, see, you, you, I, I love this, this, this new sort of philosophy where people talk about, oh, we're the new Hebrews. Okay, now, you can't eat no catfish. If you're a new Hebrew, you can't eat everything on the pig from the rooter to the tutor. If you're, if you're a, a, a Hebrew, brother, you can't wear clothes that's not made out of pure scent. You can't wear cotton. Brother, you can't, you can't, you can't look at Beyonce and say, ooh, she cute. No, no, you just... You're going to hell. You just committed sin. That's adultery. Come on, brother. If you're going to be, if you're going, if you're going to go back to do Old Testament now, you got to do Old Testament. I'm glad God saved us from that. Good as I like chitlins, <laughs> we're not required. Paul says this is legalism, circumcision, uncircumcision. The day you go to church, how many times you pray? Paul said that's legalism. You've been freed from that. In the two minutes we got, let's finish this. Buried with him, verse 12, in baptism. Risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, and who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, forgiving, all, forgiving you all trespasses. Paul says God's taking care of all this stuff that's really basic philosophy. Blotting out, verse 14, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, 
he made sure of them openly, triumphant over it. Paul says, God took the, Jesus took the indictment that was against you. And that indictment is spelled out in the Ten Commandments. You violated at least one of them. He took that indictment to the cross and nailed it to the cross. Tell Telestai and said, it's finished. It's complete. It's wiped out. Not just for past, present, and future. Paul says, nothing should entangle you. No rule because you are free in Christ. You're free. Praise the Lord. I'm free. No longer bound. What? No more chains holding me. My soul is resting. What? It's such a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm free. See you next week.